0: I beg that you will be particularly careful in seeing strict order observed among the soldiers, as that is the life of military discipline.
1: The words of Colonel George Washington. And this is The Guardians of the Republic. Hello, I'm Patrick Murray from the Monmouth University Poll, and my co-host is Ian Kahn from the TV series Turn, Washington Spies. On this
0: episode of our podcast, we look at the challenges facing the Republic this week. We'll look at the COVID-19 virus and how it is affecting our nation and the world, and we'll cover the presidential primary as well, and wrap with our Guardian of the Week and some final thoughts. Please make sure to subscribe and tell your friends and family who are sitting at home, hopefully, um, so they can listen to our show as well, and give us a rating in your favorite podcast app. Patrick, so we begin.
1: How is our republic being challenged this week? Uh, again, our republic is being challenged the same way the world is, with a very dangerous pandemic. And in particular, in this country, it's being challenged by the lack of leadership at the very top.
0: You know, I, I, we've been talking in the last few weeks, uh, I mentioned that Donald Trump is like an alcoholic parent, who you're not exactly sure who you're going to get by, from day to day, I imagine. Uh, The tone shifts depending on how the market does that day, Uh, and then the tone will shift again depending on how the market did that day. He is a day trader who is the opposite of a good leader. Something that happened right before we started uh, at 12 noon on Friday uh, was I saw a video of a nurse who has quit, and she quit because she'd just gone to work this morning and was not allowed to wear her mask because there weren't enough masks for everybody. So all the nurses had to not wear a mask. And she lives with people who have underlying health challenges and she quit her job and in tears. Um, you know, we're watching these press conferences where from day to day, the president has, as I said, very different tones. My wife, Nicole, who, um, over the course of the last number of days, just decided not to watch any of the um, presidential conference at press conferences anymore for her own sort of se- sense of of <laughs> sanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for her own sense of sanity. She she does like the Andrew Cuomo. She she catches those every single day, but she didn't watch it. But she reads the New York Times voraciously. So last night we were watching some clips from the press conference. And she started to cry and said, how is this happening? How can we be in this situation? And then he comes out and talks that everything is going great and that it could never be handled any better when people are dying. People we know have the disease. And she started crying and said, this is, I don't know if I should say this, but she said, he's our Hitler. Like, this is Hitler right here. Mm-hmm. And as a, I was taken aback by that, but then had a moment where I was like, he doesn't really care. He doesn't yeah, care. I mean,
1: I, the, and the, the reason why I want to go with Hitler for this is something we talked about last week. When I understand what she's saying, because what he's doing is extremely dangerous, but he's doing it without, as you said, without any really con- concern or consideration whatsoever, because that's his modus operandi, is that he is thinking in the moment for himself, what looks best for himself. And, and there are so many things in here that I want to want to take. You know, we were talking last week about he, he's not an authoritarian strong man like Hitler was. He's an authoritarian weak man. And that's Maybe that's even more dangerous because you, you really don't know what he stands for because he doesn't stand for anything other than what he thinks is in his best interest at that moment. Uh, so one of the things that he's looking at is the stock market, as you mentioned, stock market. You know, what, what can I do in the short term to make the stock market look good? Because yeah. that's what I've been bragging about all along. Uh, there's a There was a great article in the New York Times uh, this week, I think on Friday, uh, that's uh, about looking back at the 1918 pandemic and the cities and metro areas that did strict mitigation for longer periods of time, did it sooner and for longer periods of time and stricter regulations about social movements versus metro areas that did not. And how the ones that did, in the end, had a much more significant economic recovery. Hmm. They had a better, you know, some were about the same, but one of the comparisons they made was between St. Paul and Minneapolis, uh, the the, the twin cities in Minnesota, and they're called Mm -hmm. Twin Cities because they're literally right across the river from each other. Minneapolis jumped in right away, shut down the schools as soon as they heard that this was coming. Three weeks later, St. Paul finally picks up significant difference in the number of deaths between those two cities just literally across the river from each other, and a huge difference in the return of manufacturing jobs in those two cities after the the pandemic had uh, passed. So if you really are looking at the economic consequences, and this makes a lot of sense, economic consequences are if you have fewer people who die, you have less depletion of the workforce, you have less uh, stress, on the healthcare system and other support systems that you need to maintain during and after the pandemic, and a whole host of other reasons why the economy would would react stronger in the end by shutting things down more in the short term. So, I mean, these are these. Are, this is just uh, this is just basic economics. I mean, there, there's nothing really difficult about this. This is the kind of data that Donald Trump, in his last press conference, said that's what they're looking at. He he and his. Uh, uh, feckless son-in-law there, Jared Kushner. Boy, uh, and I've got stories for him, about him too. Uh, that you know, they're they're saying this is about data. This is about you know, we're trying to follow these things, and they're not following any real data. No, they're going by
0: the seat of their they're going by the seat of their pants. Also, you know, you we we've talked on the show, and you would always say this about what happens when we have a real issue that comes up, right? I mean, because the the issue we've had through the last three and a half years was. M- 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 largely personality right uh, also also policy but th- this is the biggest challenge to our world in our lifetimes it seems um and we have the least effective leader in our country's history perhaps
1: yes i mean We're, i mean it's amazing maybe you know, comparisons could be made to Buchanan as the country uh dipped into civil war.
0: You know, and and we don't want this show every week to just be a slam dam of the president. Really, it's because what's the point of that like every week we're talking. But there is a moment and we even as we were sort of planning the show, it shifted just in the last 24 hours because it, it, it the acknowledgement the moment, there was a moment this week on Tuesday, I believe it was Tuesday, where the president really changed his tone and said, This is going to be really tough, everybody, and we've got to hold on tight. And everyone sort of goes, Oh, thank God he's finally getting it. And, and then to come back the next
1: day, maybe it was just Wednesday into Thursday at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how many people would start reporting, Oh, you know, and it's, this is the moment Donald Trump became president because he had one moment where he was cowed, he was cowed in some way and then but, and, but the alcoholic father kicks in and exactly. he goes you know what there's no problem
0: here i mean look we're we're doing the best that we possibly can do this is the best what's surprising is the people who believe this at this point yeah and still do i mean well, can we dip in let's just dip into that poll just yeah, for a moment that's, just for yeah, a second we're going we'll to jump around we'll challenges. jump
1: around a little bit here yeah. because i mean we have some we're still not using the hear.
0: drums we're still not doing the hot take, so we, yeah. we can dip around a little bit. Let, yeah, so, what do so, the
1: polls uh, say? Patrick? So there's one. Well, there's one piece of polling that I want to want to point out right now because the information that the president is giving is conflicting, is dangerous. Remember, he keeps talking about this hydrochloroquine, uh, hydroxychloroquine. I'm sorry, and as as a possible treatment, where there's it's not proven. Uh, somebody must have mentioned it somewhere along the line, and I've read some things about, you know, they're looking into it, but it's not proved. But he keeps start you know, this was something that he glommed onto, and he starts putting it out there, well, guess what? You have people taking it and dying because the president told them that. And not only him taking it and dying, but, or uh, him saying it, but also uh, we have members of Congress now repeating this, like they're experts in this. I, I just, the uh, Jeff Andrew, if we remember him, the guy who switched from Democrat to Republican. Oh, to your, your, backside, your boy in, in Jersey. My buddy, yep. in, my buddy in New Jersey. He's a dentist. And he, and he, and he tweets out the other day uh, that that this has shown, there's anecdotal evidence that this will work. So people should look into this and do this. He's giving out medical advice without any qualification whatsoever to do so. I was like, hey, buddy, you know, you're a dentist. If there's a gingivitis outbreak in the country, you'll be the first one we turn to. But until then, stay in your lane. I mean, this is nuts. So the polling actually proves this. Polls, the polling proves this out. The Pew Research Center, which is, again, a great place for this kind of stuff. They, they really do look at the the human condition here in the United States in a whole host of ways. But one of the things they, they had asked a whole a bunch of questions in a poll a couple of weeks ago, about, uh, you know, what people thought or knew about uh, the COVID uh, virus? And have you seen conflicting facts about this? Do you feel that the risks are being exaggerated by the media? Do you think a vaccine will be available? Uh, Do you think it's man-made or naturally made? I mean, these are questions they ask. So I'm not going to give you the top line number, because what I'm going to give you is the number that they gave based on whether the person watches Fox News, CNN, or MSNBC as their main news source. So, have you seen conflicting facts? 34% of Fox viewers, 26% of CNN, and 17% of MSNBC. So, a slight increase there for Fox viewers getting conflicting information. Because, guess what? They're getting it from the same guy every day Mm -hmm. who's being touted on Fox. The risks are greatly exaggerated by the media. 56%, a majority of Fox viewers, say the risks are exaggerated. Only 25% of CNN, only 12% of MSNBC. Did COVID come about naturally? Just 37, which is true, by the way, just 37% of Fox viewers versus a majority of CNN and MSNBC viewers say that it came about naturally. So there's a whole host of uh, misinformation that the president is giving out and those that listen to him the most closely. Are absorbing and internalizing that misinformation, and it's turning out to be extremely dangerous for them. Yeah, very
0: dangerous. I mean, that's that's. It almost feels like I had this moment earlier when you were talking about uh, the in what happened in 1918. New York has been is getting slammed by this. I'm getting text messages daily from people all over the country saying, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, we're fine. We're okay. We're we're in our home, and and we are safe." I mean, we we take every possible precaution that we can take. But you wonder what's going to happen in the South and in the Midwest for the, for the states that aren't actually, that, that haven't done lockdown mm-hmm. orders yet for the state. Is it possible that when they start getting hit with this, it's going to be so much worse even than what's happening in New York? Yeah. Because at least in New York, there are thousands of people, tens of thousands of people who are getting the disease. But mostly people in New York are sheltering at home. But if you have other, you know, Florida, can we just talk about Desantis just for half a second? He finally does the lockdown, and the one thing that he keeps available are mass religious services. Mm-hmm. That's the that's how it start. That that's how it's going to spread. You have. 200 people in the same church in the same area something new that came out recently which makes a tremendous amount of sense to me is the the it's the COVID-19 virus is a way in a way like poison right and depending on how much of it you get to start the splitting of the virus will depend on how badly it hits you that's new evidence that just came out so the 34-year-old doctor in China who was the one who Theoretical.
1: I should say it's it's not evidence. It's it's theoretical, based on pe- evidence of from other viruses that are similar in structure. So thank they think, you. So they, I, they, they I, think that I'll this might be the same that.
0: case. Yep. I get a little excited. So thank you, thank you, Patrick, for for putting the boundary on that. But but if that is indeed the case, if you have two hundred people in a in a cl- enclosed room of a church, and it is just that's that's where these things happen. And that's where the spread gets goes the widest. So people, people who are going to church services on Sunday, as opposed to just staying at home and and doing it through the internet, and they feel no, I'm i I'm going to show them libs. I'm going to show the media that they're wrong. They're the ones who are going to suffer the most. It, it so it seems to me that it's possible we may look back on this time. One, we'll all have to stay inside longer because this will continue to grow, state by state. It will roll across this country. But two, those people are going to lose their lives. Yeah. And they're they're going to be badly infected, badly killed. We already
1: have one good example of this. In fact, it looks like from the preliminary evidence just in the last 24 hours that the curve is starting to bend in New York, starting to flatten out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we'll have to see whether this is the case, but that looks to be the case. Compare that to New Orleans, which seems to be accelerating. Right. And that was the
0: the place where the church, where the, the... the preacher brought all those people together and they all
1: got it, right? Right, that was, uh, yeah, Louisiana just, they did not shut down at all. And, uh, you know, went through with it. They had Mardi Gras. So they had all these people uh, clustered around and we're, they're seeing a huge spike now because they're not taking it seriously. Although I should point out, you know, there's this book called Strangers in Their Own Land. And I'm, unfortunately, I'm blanking on the author right now, but uh, you, you should look this up. It is actually a story, that a book that was done a few years ago explaining why these people who live in these environmentally hazardous places in New Orleans, in, in Louisiana, in the Bayou, uh, stick with their conservative uh, ideology, like they don't they don't ask government, they don't call out government for letting this, this pollution, this environmental risk to happen. And if you read the book, that basically it comes back to they remain conservative because they put uh, abortion, guns, these issues ahead of everything else, even ahead of things that are killing them and their family because of a religious belief that says, you know, in the end, you know, this is just a life that we're going through. So in the end, I'll just take my cues from these religious leaders And I'll move on into the next life.
0: That book is written by Arlie Russell Hochschild. Yes, thank you.
1: She did. You're very welcome. Yeah, she did. uh, She embedded herself there, and um, I've seen interviews with her, and she was just amazed. You know, this this was not what she expected to find there. She expected to find things that stopped people from being able to access uh, government political leaders. That they wanted to do this, but they just couldn't. And when she found that, it was part of their ideology that they just. Hey, this is what happens, and and that that's acceptable to them. It's just interesting. So I thought that was interesting when we're looking at what's going on in Louisiana right now with this COVID spread, and it just brought me back to that book, which basically laid out. Yeah, that's that's what these people believe in in this part of the world. How does this affect group cohesion theory you put down? Well, here? Well, this yeah. I, I I marked this down because we had talked about last week about Trump's um, Trump's uh, ratings bump, and the idea here is that. There is a theory in a, in a, around, at a time of crisis that, that that groups a group wants to come together, wants to have a single identity, and usually needs to look to a leader in order to do that. And this is what I keep pointing out with folks who keep looking at Trump's in, the increase in Trump's uh, job approval rating and the fact that over 50% say he's doing a good job in in terms of uh, dealing with this virus. Though that and, has shifted, right? No, that's that shifted. has shifted. You will know, come, come back to that in a second. Yep. Is that but the group cohesion theory says you know because people want that to be the case sure of course and and that's what i think is driving this bump is that you know 4 or 5% are moving because they want that to be the case not because it actually is the case if it actually were the case we'd be saying the same bumps that we were getting with the governors who are seeing jumps of 20 25 points in their job ratings because yes. not only do people want to have them being do, doing a good job, but they actually feel they are doing a good job.
0: Not Governor Kemp in Georgia. No, no. Governor Kemp this week um, finally did a shutdown and had the balls, sorry, had the balls to come out and say that he had just learned in the last 24 hours that people who were non-symptomatic could pass on the disease. And that because he just learned this news— Um, He was going to activate the shutdown. Wait a minute, Kemp. He just learned. He just (laughs) learned what my seven-year-old knows and
1: knew. And has known for weeks. Yeah. And you're going to try to say. And by the way, his his office is just a few miles down the road from the Centers for Disease Control. (laughs) If you
0: were writing the book, you wouldn't believe it. If you were writing this in a Hollywood script, you know what people would say? Don't, don't try to pull that off. You can't make the governor that, that bad of a guy. Well, yeah, actually, it looks like he can, you dumbass. Kemp. I got, a new, I got a new whipping boy. Well, whipping man. Kemp. Punk. And I want to say this about the President of the United States. He's a screw-up, is what my father used to say about people. But he used a different word first. He's a king of the screw-ups. And when we look back on this time, however things play out, we're going to have an understanding that everything that Trump touches dies, whether it be a casino, his airlines, his stakes, his water, or his country that he's the leader of. And it's a darn shame that in 2016, when we had the choice to, to mix it up, Right. What was the what was the what was the thing that the Trump supporters at the end of the day decided they wanted to do, Patrick? What was the word? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. They wanted to, uh, to to shake up Washington.
0: Yeah. They wanted to shake up Washington. Well, what they've done is to
1: drain the swamp was uh, Trump's terms. But uh, yeah.
0: And what 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 we've done now is con- to destabilize the foundation of our country, whether it be before we were talking about serious stuff when it came to impeachment. Right. And the choices that President Trump were, was making to th- the same stuff he's doing now. The same stuff he's doing with the governors in all of these states is what he did with President Zelensky in Ukraine. You, uh, but you're going to do something for me too. Jared Kushner saying, you know, the stockpile is the nation's stockpile, not the state's stockpile. No, no, Jared. Right now, young man, right now what we need is we need those in New York. Yeah, and then-, then in a month, we're going to need those in Ohio and South Carolina, and Georgia with dumbass Kemp.
1: Yeah, what Jared Kushner doesn't understand is the history of this country. Is he's, what he's basically, Kushner is saying, states, you're on your own. This is, this is the Articles of Confederation problem that we had. This is the reason why we have a constitution, is because when you say states, you're on your own, that's exactly the kind of chaos that, that devolved after the end of the American Revolution. Wow. And, and he doesn't get it because he doesn't understand that that's why we have the kind of national government that we have, specifically to act as a cohesive uh, unit to serve areas of the, of the country. This is why we send national aid to areas that are hit by nat- natural disasters. Of course. Not because the disaster hits every, everywhere in the country equally. It's because it hits part of the country that's part of the country. And the country has to react because the whole needs to. So, with
0: uh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but with Trump in power, in power right now, what we end up having is 50 governors across, as Cuomo says in all of his press conferences, he's bidding against the governor of California, the governor of Georgia, the governor of Florida for these ventilators, jacking up the price. Then FEMA comes in and they're bidding against the states. What the heck is going on? How is it not that the president of the United States and the federal government is taking control of this entire situation? He's not doing it because he doesn't want the blame. So he can go so far as to say, you know, New York should have had all these ventilators beforehand. They were behind. It is deeply offensive to say that. And then, look, you know, you have friends and family on Facebook who are supporters of President Trump. You never see my wife so angry as I saw her last night when some of her, um, family in the Midwest were, were saying how sorry they felt for Donald Trump going through this tough time. It's like, no, you don't get to say that, was her so,
1: reaction. Yeah, that's uh,
0: it's amazing. Because, because, because here, here, your look, family if here you're, in New York is is under fire.
1: Right. If you're preparing for a pandemic, pandemic doesn't hit New York State. Pandemic hits the entire country, and the entire country has to, uh, This is, uh, this, I mean, this, so this is just them backpedaling into... You know, like the, 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 national government is a backup. No, the national wow. government and not, and if we, if we go to yeah. war, do we call out the national guard of each individual state? Is that how this works? No, this is exactly why we have the constitution. It's yeah, not, but like, it doesn't and, work. And the, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, for the so, president. Uh, so if, you know, if a Russian submarine, you know, you know, uh, bombed Seattle, is it the Washington national guard that has to react to that?
0: Yeah, apparently the the u.s the u.s army would be the backup based on uh, and and he's getting away with it and he's not engaging with the leader of the house and nancy pelosi they haven't spoken in five months since october and he's just like
1: screw you you tried to impeach me so i don't have to deal with you yeah well can i say can i say something about jared kushner yeah please do because uh so this is you know for our listeners who might not know the whole backstory here uh, I'm familiar with the Kushner family because they've uh, been poli- they've been politically active in New Jersey politics which is where I've been based uh, Jared's father uh, Charles Kushner was the force behind uh, a former governor Jim McGreevy, who was a Democrat oh yeah sure uh, and if people remember Jim McGreevy he was the uh he resigned from office because because uh, he was gay because he was gay that's what he said he got caught with do- giving his boyfriend a job that that he didn't deserve while he was married. Um, And remember McGreevy's statement was, my truth is I am a gay American, whatever that meant. But anyway, Charlie Kushner was the guy behind, uh, one of the the big power brokers behind uh, Jim McGreevy. Well, then Charlie Kushner decides that he's he's a real estate mogul. Uh, This is why they're all um, well-known. In fact, uh, Charlie Kushner's house is about a mile from my office at Monmouth University. Uh, on on the shore there, and, and Donald Trump has been there and and others as well. But uh, Charlie Kushner ended up going to jail because he tried to blackmail his brother in law with a prostitute, his wife's his sister's husband with a prostitute to get him out of the business. And so he it was actually and and the the U.S. attorney who actually prosecuted Chris him was <laughs> former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. So that's why there's not a there's a lot not a lot of love lost between the Kushners and. Christie. And that's why Christie has had problems with Trump all along because Kushner doesn't like him. Kushner but blocked J- Jared Kushner is, so Jared Kushner's his son. So Jared Kushner took over his father's real estate empire when his father was in prison. And that's how Jared Kushner, you know, became Jared Kushner. He thinks he's all that because he got this handed to him and he thinks he's a lot smarter than he is. Uh, and that's, that's also dangerous because as I said, the, the guy is feckless. Um, and this is the problem that we have with him having such a, uh, a significant role in this administration with the alcoholic father, as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my Jared Kushner story.
0: It's fair. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a fair... And, and speaking of business, uh, I found this this week. It was, a, it was a tweet. I'm sorry, I can't even give anybody the, uh, the credit for it because I don't have it. But Trump's egregious business conflicts of interest were potentially deadly. For example... How much of his reckless, systematic downplaying of the virus was done to keep his hotels and resorts busy? And how much will it continue to skew his policy response? You had the feeling when George Bush, George W. Bush, was in the Katrina Madness or in 9-11 Madness or when Barack Obama was in the meltdown of 2009 that their only thing that they were thinking about was how do we get through to the other side of this right
1: mm-hmm.
0: i i i i never doubted that whether bush at times was not great at what he did uh, made mistakes yeah but you never had the feeling that he was doing it for his own benefit you always feel like president trump is doing it for his own benefit I mean, are, are, we're not kidding. There's no joke about this. This is actually the guy who's in charge, and everyone has to bow their heads. Tony Fauci was on CNN last night saying, of course, the whole nation should be shut down. He was in front of President Trump saying this, and Trump's sort of you know, like a nine-year-old bratty kid sort of like shaking his nose at it because he doesn't want to be the president that shuts down the economy all across the country. He wants the governors to, to have done it so he can say, look, it wasn't my fault that the, the economy fell. It's right. their fault. I never, I never, the buck don't stop here. I mean, this is the the fear that we always had. And now we're watching the repercussions of it. It shouldn't, our show shouldn't turn into a bashing of President Trump. But it should also not be clear about what's going on.
1: Yeah, because there is a lot of bad stuff going on here that... It doesn't have to do directly with President Trump, although that's probably related to the tone that he set. So you mentioned that nurse who quit because she yeah. she wasn't allowed to wear a mask around the hospital. There are some hospitals, as has been reported in the media, that are not allowing their medical staff to wear masks outside of the ICUs. And the reason being is not because they're running out of masks, is because they want to give off this veneer that everything's okay. Why? There's reports... There, there are reports that, and these are hospitals across the country, there are reports that hospitals in New York even are, are forbidding, private hospitals are forbidding their staff from talking to the media to tell them what a yeah. war zone they're dealing with because they want to give off this veneer of everything's okay where we've got this under control when of course it works much better to everyone's advantage if we know exactly what's going on then we know where to deploy resources instead of trying to hide it. Then this is ridiculous. And then the big thing and this is what I was thinking about when you read that quote from George Washington, when Colonel um, George Washington, Colonel George Washington, I'm going to read it again.
0: I'm going I'm to if if I can, I'm going to read it again in just my own yin voice. Um, I beg that you will be particularly careful in seeing strict order observed among the soldiers as that is the life of military discipline. My initial thought about that was that we all needed to hold our discipline and stay home. But it struck something different in you. What yeah, was because
1: that? Uh, what I was thinking of was Captain Brett Crozier of the USS Theodore Roosevelt. This is that naval ship where the coronavirus has been raging. And he was the one who really called out the Defense Department for not doing anything. He said, my said, my, my, my sailors are going to die here you know, we're doing the right thing, but they're going to die if we don't do something about this. And he got relieved of his command. Yeah. Uh, it's.
0: And there was a video that just came out earlier this morning of him leaving the ship and seemingly all of his soldiers standing and screaming his name and cheering for him as he left. Yeah, Tricky it, stuff. It
1: man. is just amazing. There's a, a congresswoman, um, uh, a Mikey Sherrill from new jersey who's one of those uh, conservative congresswoman who flipped the district in 2018 and conservative democrat. conservative democrat yes you know on the more conservative side of the democrat and she actually served on the theodore roosevelt when she was in the navy she was a navy pilot and you know she just said and uh, uh, crozier was not the captain at the time but she said you just have so much trust in the captain to keep that discipline and to be looking out for you. You do what the captain says because you believe in your heart of hearts that that captain has your best interests at heart.
0: Well, and, there's, I'm going to throw a different perspective on it just for a moment because when I first saw this, I was so outraged as we all are. I saw an interview with the Secretary of the Navy who said it really had to do with chain of command, that he had broken the chain of command by doing what he did. I'm not going to Back any him in saying that, but in my time playing General Washington, um, the the chain of command was very clear and and very important. I I don't have a I, I'm not giving I'm not giving any uh, cover to yep the Navy for I I just wanted to make that point that that was something that made me go, all right, well, I kind of get that, but I certainly get where Crozier's coming from. Um, I want to jump to one yeah, more if, thing. Yeah, if
1: Crozier, if Crozier was a one-off, and we don't know what's going on in the military, but we're seeing well, – What my point was that we're seeing yeah. this happen in all areas of life. Yes, you're right. And that's yes. – so that there is a pattern of behavior here that is, that is bad for, for us – Addressing this pandemic, and it goes back to that backgammon
0: thing, not backgammon, a blackjack story I told last week that my dad told me about. Just keep doubling your bet, doubling your bet, doubling your bet. When the oil prices went up, when President Trump got on with Putin and MBS yesterday and said, "Hey, we got to do something here. I need a little bit of thing. Give me, give me the sugar high of lower of of raising the oil prices. Right, um, cut cut your oil, d- cut it. Don't 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 produce as much oil for a little while. That'll help the market. So. You know the, the market goes up 400 points yesterday, so it looks pretty good for a minute. Yeah, but that's just a sugar high. That's not changing the right. fact that 6.6 million people are now applying for unemployment, and that we're looking at an, a double digit unemployment going into the second quarter. That that's what we're going to see, and it, it could get far worse. Things could get far worse. Also, Anthony Fauci, uh, we touched on this last week that he's bec- he was becoming a target of uh, the Make America Great group sort of saying this is the guy who's causing all the problems and well now he's under security because he's getting death threats think about that yeah that anthony fauci the most lovely of men and you sent me this great tweet
1: do you want to tell the the story of that tweet because it, yeah, it touched my heart somebody found uh, there was a book written about 15 years ago about the philosophies that drive great men and women and one of them, and it's just like little vignettes that each person writes about what what drives who I am. So Anthony Fauci was one of them, and he talks about the importance of his faith. He was raised um, as Catholic. a Catholic, but he you know went to Jesuit school, and how that really informed who he is. That, that
0: Regis, who I used you know. to play in
1: baseball oh, yeah? when I was in high school, yeah. So um, three things said: so, quest for knowledge. That you know that that upbringing always said you know keep looking for knowledge. Well, I'll never know everything that I can know. Um, and and also a quest for excellence, meaning I sweat, what he says is, I don't I just sweat the, the big stuff. stuff, I sweat the little stuff too. <laughs> because you're not going to be excellent unless you sweat at all. And then the third thing was just by a desire to do good in the world that, that you know your drive is what, what am I doing that is, is good in the world? And that's why he became so involved, he said in, in, in dealing with the AIDS epidemic, but I thought, you know, this is a guy who's driven by real spiritual and religious values, unlike those who claim to have spiritual and religious values, who are part of the the fringe that is threatening him right now.
0: Yeah, threatening his life, so that he needs to have uh, security around him at all times. Um, let's move on quick to uh, my favorite whipping human, Ben Sass.
1: All right. What did he do today? That, ben uh, Sasse didn't do anything after?
0: today, but he did something this week, which was a bit surprising. Ben Sass said something on Twitter this week, and you responded to it. Do you remember what he said? No, I don't. Hold on. How, gonna, that's how it's, bad
1: this, with this, these weeks go. I don't, it's, don't remember it's, what happened.
0: Yeah, it's, it's worth a pickup. It's worth me pulling. I do follow Senator Ben Sass. Um Oh, this is what it was. Yep, I got it. Here we go. On March 30th, Chairman Z's super hot, totally real Canadian girlfriend found the cure! Exclamation mark! Do you remember what you wrote in response? Yes,
1: I wrote that it's time for him to take a seat in the back. My favorite
0: part was the dude. The dude, dude, dude. I think you might need to take a seat in the back. That was really good. I. I. I, I yeah, actually, This I, is I, this is
1: where he decides that he needs to yeah. say something. This is I, what I he say?
0: Oh. The girlfriend, his totally real. Super hot, totally real Canadian girlfriend found the cure. Silence for months. Well, last week he came out and and tried to get people to lose some of their money um, that they're going to need to survive. But then he, that was his first tweet in five months. I I also responded, um, It is outrageous. Such high hopes for you. You're going to be one of the next generation of founding mothers and founding fathers. Your silence has been your message. Character is destiny. You've shown yours. Such high hopes how would General Washington have handled it all? I, I have to say, it's it's you know, yeah, all right. I like yours better, dude. <laughs> I think you might need to take a seat in the back. I, I just, I, I, just I
1: just cut right to the uh, punch there. You did yours
0: yeah. yours yours is, uh, is is definitely better. Let's move on uh, to we've done some polling, but there was a new poll that just came out this morning. Uh, Friday morning, po- yeah, Friday morning. The ABC Ipsos poll. Um, knowledge panel survey conducted April first to the second finds that forty seven percent of Americans approve of the way Donald Trump is handling the response to the to the COVID nineteen down from fifty five percent two weeks ago. What does that tell you, Patrick?
1: So we, we referenced this uh, a few minutes ago that you know Trump had gotten this bump. This is the first evidence that we're seeing that maybe now the bump is fading, because as I said, you know I, the bump seems to be more about a. A desire for Trump to be the leader that we need, rather than him actually being the leader to, that we need. So and we're going to have a whole bunch of more. Go ahead with your
0: level of expertise, and you are the number one pollster in America, as five thirty eight has pointed out a couple of years in a row. What happens when the death numbers start climbing? Yeah. How is that going to change when, on nightly news, ten thousand people die in a day, as opposed to a thousand people die in a day? Yeah.
1: So we don't know. We don't. But what we do is we have our first piece of evidence that. People are starting to ask for real results now and not just give the benefit of the doubt. So we are going to have a lot of polls next week, including my own mammoth poll. And we'll see. We'll see if we um, see this falling off. But I I have actually another piece of evidence that suggests that, again, that this this bump in Trump's rating is really about a desire to, for him to do well, this aspiration for him to do well, then that he is doing well. And this is a poll out of Wisconsin. Trump's job approval rating, his total job approval rating is 48% approved, 49% disapproved in Wisconsin. This is the Marquette uh, Law School poll. That's the same as it was a month ago, 48% to 48%. So no change. His COVID handling handling is better at 51% positive to 46% negative. So again, that that feeds into the idea of this aspiration. Yes, we want a leader about this. But in the end, his job numbers haven't changed. Now, Governor Tony Evers, a Democrat in Wisconsin, got a big jump. He went from 51% approved to 65% approved. So you can see the difference there. Trump went from 48% approved to 48% approved, no change, whereas Evers, the governor, went up 14 points. Then the other thing that we saw was Donald Trump trails Joe Biden in Wisconsin by three points. And this was a big to deal to some people. This was a big, this was a surprise to people. Was it a surprise to you? Uh Yes, because we, we figured that if, his, if Donald Trump's job approval rating stays OK or if his handling of COVID is OK, his handling of the economy in Wisconsin also in positive territory. But these numbers are actually better than they were a month ago for, for Joe Biden. It was tied last month between the two of them. Now Joe Biden's ahead by three points. Um, now, this is statistically insignificant, but what it says to me is people are saying, they're looking at Donald Trump and saying, look, I'm going to give him the benefits out on COVID because we need a president. Uh, we need to rally around something for COVID. But in the end of the day, I don't think he, I want him around in January.
0: We're going to jump forward now to what would typically be our hot take section, but we're still not going to hot take, hot take it. Um, but talking about Joe Biden, I spoke to a Democratic uh, insider last night, uh, who, express, who expressed some real concern for Joe Biden. Um, and what she said was, she said, and she's a Biden supporter, so she's not a Bernie supporter, she's a Biden supporter. Um, but she expressed some concern saying it, it's a really bad situation for him right now. With Bernie staying in the race, he doesn't get to sort of be the nominee already, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, but also that, you know, she he won the nomination or or came to this position in spite of his campaign and in spite of him that it really had everything to do with someone who could beat Donald Trump as opposed to Joe Biden i mean she went so far as to I mean, she called him some tough names and and she's supporting him. There's no question about it, but she's worried about him. She said, you know, the fact that he's I said, well, would you prefer Andrew Cuomo? And she said, look, I would prefer a darn governor before President Obama. If you wanted to be the president of the United States, you couldn't come from the Senate or from that line. You had to be a governor to actually make it. Um, It's a tough week for Joe Biden in that way though even though that poll says i said to her that my hope is that what biden will what biden is is the alternative to president trump and that because of his decency and his kindness that that will tip the scale the other way she just said yeah i'm just not sure and i'm scared what do you think about that i think
1: you know one of the things that they're concerned about is that joe biden did not run a great campaign right Right, so there is, we don't have any evidence that he can actually run a great campaign. What happened was he, they put all their eggs in the South Carolina basket, and that paid off for them. And what happened was the Democratic electorate, who told us all along, and I said this all along, we're looking for somebody who can beat Donald Trump. <laughs> we're looking for somebody who can and beat whoever Donald Trump. It is. <laughs> and we're not sure who it is. And then and as soon as Joe Biden wins, South Carolina says, okay, look, it's probably. Uh, he might not be the best candidate. He might not be the ideal one. But at this point, he's the best that we got. So we all got to get behind him. And that signal was, was again, was, was sent by uh, Pete Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, who all came. Everybody kind of realized, got, understood the zeitgeist of the moment. And also because well, let's remember that Sanders
0: was, if that did not happen, Sanders was going to sweep Super Tuesday. Because all those other people, I mean, it was it was almost like you know, get out or or yeah. or loot or or be well, sure. Well, what probably what that, would have
1: happened was was Sanders would have won the most of those Super Tuesday states um, as the, as the nominal winner with a bunch of other people splitting the rest of the vote. We would have, yeah, we would have, you know, we would have had right. it clear. But that that changed. that what it did, it just shifted the, that entire section that t- that two thirds of the Democratic electorate.
0: That was just a month ago. Yeah, that, that was just, just a month ago. ago. And look how much our world has changed since that. That was that those were fun times. We were we were playing with drums. Ninety seconds, we gotta get out. Now we're 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 in a in a very different time. Patrick, what do you think is gonna happen with the election? Do you think that we're gonna get absentee voting and mail vote by mail taken care of? Pelosi is pushing for this in the next stimulus bill involved with COVID nineteen.
1: Right. But again, if if she doesn't get it. It's up to the states to do it. Remember, even if you have the funding for it from the federal government to support the transition, the states have to want to do this because they control the, the how voting occurs. Uh, so we're already starting to see it happen with some of these primaries that have been postponed or even uh, Wisconsin's, which which is going ahead Um on, on Tuesday, although they're delaying the, the, the counting because they're sending out more ballots. Same with Hawaii. They're delaying the county because they're, they're mailing out more ballots, so they're making that transition. So you'll see more and more states do that, but whether it's their willingness of of doing that, and, and certainly a lot of the Republican-led states do not want to do that because what happens is if you make it easier to vote, you get more Democrats voting. And I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. We are going to have an election on November third constitutionally, barring some disaster on that date. Uh, but how it, how it's going to play out, we have no idea at this point.
0: Okay, let's move on to I, I think what many of us who many of you listening right now are going to agree with. I don't think even Patrick and I we even even discussed it. But our guardians of the week this week are our healthcare workers.
1: these are the frontline workers these
0: are these are the american heroes that i saw someone posit the idea that in 20 years there's going to be a memorial to um the healthcare workers and first responders for this time in washington Mm dc and at 7 p.m every night in new york maybe in other places around the country um they uh the citizens of new york at 7 p.m come out on their balconies or open their windows and they applaud and cheer and scream for these healthcare workers uh it's amazing what they've done uh how brave they are and how they're not being cared for and they're still going out there and fighting the fight mm-hmm. the nurses the doctors the cleaners the firemen it's uh
1: it's, it's humbling. It's humbling. It's absolutely humbling. You know, New York has been through this, obviously, um, in 2001 with 9-11. And then I, there were so many heroes there, but obviously the biggest heroes were the first responders. But these are people who are trained to put their lives on the line. All the time. I mean, we don't take anything away from from the sacrifice of those nothing, firefighters yeah. and police, but you know, that's they when they go in when they signed up for that work, they understood that that was part of the risk. Now, there's certainly risks to being a healthcare worker as well, but nothing like what they're seeing right now, and what and the the fact that they go in there and they do their job without yeah. enough equipment and without the proper uh, the treatment options. And because they're not only trying to treat these people and stay safe themselves, is that they also have to do the work of trying to help those f- folks who are in the ICU stay in touch with the families back home because they can't come in and visit them. So these nurses that are sitting there, I've just read one about one who, who tweeted that, she, you know, she got off her shift and her shift was done, but she knew that one of her patients was dying. And she went back into the ICU room, just sat with them for the rest of the night on so many levels what they're doing is with with a courage that is beyond anything that I think we can imagine.
0: Yeah. So they are, um, and they may be for a while, our guardians of the week. They're the guardians of our, of our lives and the guardians of our republic.
1: All right. So that's it for this week's edition of Guardians of the Republic. If you have any comments or thoughts for the show, please reach out to us on Twitter at GuardiansOTR
0: and please remember subscribe to get the latest episodes on your favorite podcast app please give us a rating tell you, like i said at the beginning of the show please tell your friends and family about us so they can listen to us too cuz the good news is patrick i'm just going to say this we don't usually is that people love the show and you know we get i get private messages i think you get messages as well telling people uh, telling us that how much they enjoy us doing this we have a really strong loyal listener listeners a group of listeners so let's expand it let's give more people a chance to to join the uh guardians of the republic family um, also please check us check out our website at guardians-republic.com and
1: thank you for joining us and we'll be back with a new episode next week we'll see you then thank you